some of our processes have taken longer time to set because we never compared, we never went out and said, chalo, ye aisa karte, hum aisa so we faltered, did it right, but we kept on doing it consistently by our own means. I love this example. I always use it. I'm like, if, if an atom has to move from one orbit to the other, it has to go through that painstaking, difficult process. But that's how the transformation, transformation happens. Transformation happens, exactly. Performers are special, not because of the achievements that they have, but most of the time because of the way they approach the problem. They have to get the mind the resources Whether it is possible or not, it doesn't come to their And they focus on the love that they choose. Our guest on the Aditi Sarana show today is no exception to this. His name is Ritam Bhatnagar, a friend of mine from Ahmedabad who started a film project only because he was fascinated about the world of film and he said duniya bhar ke best of the log jo hai na jo aane chahiye aur mujhe unse baat karni hai aur unko ek dusre se conversation hona chahiye in all that process he discovered ifp he built it and he has been nurturing it the community ever since if you know ifp india film project then you already know how amazing his work is and agar aap uske bare mein janna chahte ho then do check out his website and his instagram page he is a wonderful person. I have a family in fact. I went for a pole festival, which is the kite flying festival there. And it was a great time. We, we had a, you know, we explored the thing. film shoot So all these nuances and so much more on this show, in this conversation. Let's get started. I know there are many fascinating things that you do, but I can't get over the Lego obsession. And I know, I know we were to talk about IFP, but I want to begin with like, why Lego? What's happening? Like, what is this? What, what is this whole journey with this, your one hobby? Sir, I got introduced to Lego very, very early in my life. I think I was three years old and uh, one of my dad's roommate was visiting India and he got me this Lego set. Okay. Um, I think barely around 100 bricks that I would have put. So 100 bricks in Lego is a very small quantity, right? Like and we have generally pura set 100. Ha, so ka. now the kind of sets I make are somewhere between 10 to 15,000 bricks. This is a 100 brick ka set. Ah. So uh, and as a as a kid, uh, the fascination that you could create so much in with 100. those 100 bricks, you could create a train, you could create a home, you could create a, a car, you could create a moving object, you could do so much with that thing. I think that stayed with me for a lifetime. Okay. And uh, it became the number one toy. And I think in a way, it also helped me differentiate myself from a lot of other people uh, in, my, in my school, a lot of my other friends who used to play with those traditional toys. Uh, you know, they had the chalk or slate and all those things they used to do and they you used like to the be cool very kid. fascinated so I was the cool <laughs> kid I think having, having a toy that came from all the way from of USA course, of course uh, and then uh, the good part was every year he used to come to India uh, he used to get me something and every year my father used to travel a lot for his research so mm. whatever country he used to go to he used the first thing he used to do was Lego. find out a test toy store and then get a lot of Legos from there <laughs> so it became kind of I don't know if I would ever call it a hobby but it became kind of an um, uh, 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 obsession that uh, led me to develop a lot of my skills, uh, hmm. uh, a lot of my engineering motor skills that later helped me a lot in my life. A lot of problem solving. A lot of problem solving, a lot of uh, creative building because you know you have limited things through which you can build unlimited uh, objects but what are you going to build, how are you going to build, your understanding of colors, your understanding of textures, your understanding of how weight balance is happening, a lot of things that you learn early in your life. Hmm. So I think that uh, was for me very fascinating and I think uh, till my 
हाई स्कूल आई यूज टू बी एन ऑब्सेस्ड लेगो खेड सो मच सो दैट जब भी मेरे को फीवर आता था एंड वेन एवर माई मॉम वॉन्टेड टू दीज डेज मॉम यूजली गिव यू मोबाइल फोन मेरे टाइम में इट वॉज वेरी डिफरेंट तो मोबाइल फोन तो था ही नहीं लैंडलाइन था वो भी महीने में एक बार उससे क्या गेम थोड़े ना खेलेंगे उस पर भी खेलते थे हम लोग उसमें वो देर यूज टू विध वन नंबर वन नाइन वन आप फोन करके ऐसे रख दो ना तो सामने रिंग आता था सो आई यूज टू डू ऑल दोज काइंड ऑफ बट वेन एवर आई सडनली रिमेम्बर दैट वो करके भागो के लोगों को लगेगा कॉल आया कॉल आया सो वॉट माई मॉम यूज टू डू बैक देन वॉज वेन एवर आई हेड फीवर फीवर या वेन एवर शी वॉन्टेड टू पुट मी टू सम गुड यूज घर पर गेस्ट होते गिव मी लैक आई यूज टू प्ले विद इट फॉर एट नाइन टेन आवर्स स्ट्रेट मतलब मेरे को उस टाइम पर ना खाना चाहिए ना पानी चाहिए कुछ नहीं आई टू बी सो मच इन टू इट सो आई थिंक दैट ऑब्सेशन कंटिन्यू टिल हाई स्कूल दैन द टेंथ एंड ट्वेल्थ स्टैंडर्ड्स हैपन दैन योर कॉलेज हैपन दैन सडनली समे यू वॉन्ट टू बिकम एन बिजनेस मैन समे यू वॉन्ट टू बिकम साइंटिस्ट ऑल दोज थिंग्स टू कवर एंड इन ट्वेंटी सेवेंटीन वन ऑफ माई रूम पार्टनर्स यू इज ऑल्सो माई स्कूल मेट फ्रॉम नर्सरी टिल ट्वेल्थ एंड एंड वी डिड आर ग्रेजुएशन टूगेदर एंड एंड यूज टू लिव टूगेदर इन अ सेम सिटी सॉरी एक्चुअली इन अ सेम फ्लैट सो ही यूज टू हियर अ लॉट ऑफ माई लेगो स्टोरीज एवरी टाइम यूज टू विजिट माई होम यूज टू सी दोज थिंग्स सो ही मूव टू कैनेडा फॉर गुड एंड ट्वेंटी सेवेंटीन ही केम बैक Uh, as his first visit back to India, so he got me nice sets, and I think that's where the obsession started, started again. Started again, rekindling yeah, said, like, the love. Is, yeah, yeah. So for me, it it does two things. One, of course, it gives me something to break my monotony from. Second, it it connects me back to my childhood. So But you have said one thing in our conversation. I have said you bought a house that can have an extra room for your Lego work. Like how many? I and you also it. described it in kgs. Yeah, yeah. What is how many kgs of Lego? Currently, <laughs> my Lego collection is around 400, 450 kgs. God. And uh, I got a house. Uh, I got a house. I looked for a lot of houses because I wanted a single huge room which was as big as a hall. So finally, I got a house which has got a single big 40 feet ka room without a pillar to make my Lego city happen. So <laughs> Lego city, of course, yeah. Pura pura apko pura construction banana hai. So I said, mayor to kabi ban nahi sakta my life mein. Kya nahi matlab? Mayor. I mayor, can't haan. become a mayor in my life. I am not a politician. I said instead of trying to control a city, I might as well start my own Create city. Create my own city. Yeah, like you yeah. gotta be your own Batman. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> when I was a kid, there used to be this game called Sim City. I don't uh, know if you remember. Yeah, yeah, you had yeah. to run that entire city right. as a mayor. Yeah. So you had to build hospitals, and then yes. your citizens used to complain about education. <laughs> so you had to build uh, yeah. schools. Then they used to say, "Are church nahi hai?" So then you used to build churches, churches and all those right, things, yeah. amusement parks. I used to love that game. I used to love making an entire civilization. So I think that combined with the endless possibilities that those bricks bring across, I said, "Chal, let me make a Lego city," and I've already put it a uh, blueprint into place. So I know mm. what what part. Uh, so for example this city is much more from my understanding of what ideal human cities should look like so the wow. residential spaces that i have built are more like gardens they have got those huge trees rainforests uske beech mein uh home. instead of making a separate garden space which is mere dimag mein concept kabhi nahi baitha alag garden hai ghar alag i always thought homes should be surrounded, between, yeah. surrounded by gardens so now i am making a city which is much more closer to what i would have expected a real city to be like wow so it's not only about legos but it's about conceptualizing is about studying like, doing all that research required when i started uh, creating the blueprint for my lego city uh, a lot of things that we notice daily but are probably we never ask questions around it got clear to me like what uh, for example uh, you know our residential spaces are typically very away from markets hmm. you know in a normal city you have a market which is a separate thing then residential have those small groceries kind mm. of a thing uh, but 
our, our good city would have residential pockets with markets in center so that people can always go to their closest place to mm. do a transaction rather than going to a far away place to get a transaction done mm. right so uh, that is a very simple thing that i've done is that in the center of all my residential complexes i've put across a market mm. um, so when someone is watching it visually it gives you a feeling saying that hey this is very convenient place to live in it's not a place that uh, yeah, you know okay. you would have loved if if there was a market central to say 200 meters away from your place other than all the way planning Five a day trip to away. a uh, yeah. market i have not built malls i hate the concept of malls so i said i don't want malls yeah. everything that has to happen has to happen on ground yeah. in spacious manner yeah. so uh, instead of tall buildings which is which is a concept for spaces where you have shortage of space i said let me utilize and make things which are broader but mm. not taller so spaces which will take uh probably more width mm. rather than more height and it comes from a very simple understanding saying that the moment you take something heightedly mm. you kill the visual beauty of that place so now true. typically when you are living in mumbai you don't realize it but when you are making a lego city and when you see people anything that goes beyond 12 14 inches you only see the top part of the city you, you stop, can't see what is you don't it. see the detailing of what's happening on the road you just mm. see what's looking visually there so then i had to break it down make things which are much more smaller so i think those smaller things that that i started uh, noting about the more you speak about this you know in my mind i i went to hampi is the only uh, site where people are staying in a heritage, heritage kind yeah. of property and they have this they have like this whole uh, main temple and then to the main gate they have all these market you have the temple and you have the main gate and then in the middle of it people have market uh, stores right. and behind that they have their houses right. and the gardens and all of that so it reminded me of what what our cities used to look like right so i think uh, copenhagen is one city which uses this concept and uh, i was reading about it somewhere and i said hey this is so fascinating you have you have utilities in the center mm. and homes around it rather than having homes separately and utilities separately mm. that was it's a beautiful city itself. to begin with yes like there also the, the whole buildings are so transparent like both sides are, huh. so yeah. for example whatever buildings i am uh, planning in my lego city are more greener are more to do with trees and you know flowers falling through them rather than just making it a lot more concreteish i can't uh, believe this so you are like so thinking so much for this one uh, hobby slash obsession and that's very inspiring i genuinely believe that once i turn 40 which is couple of years from now uh-huh. uh, i would want to make this my profession rather than just a hobby so i think that's okay. how i've been planning it for a longer time <laughs> so you no know, my my friends and my team members also by now think i'm very obsessive about certain hobbies that i pick up and i'm very dedicated i would spend hours getting things right now i have a role model that i can talk about i'm like mai to kuch bhi nahi think about it tum he's like seriously doing it in 40 feet long hall so perfect done i i know whom to refer to now but i think like the last time we spoke uh, for me it's like hobbies are we see it as a uh, we see hobbies as uh, as something which is not a necessity but i see hobby as something which is a necessity part to complete your overall circle of life you know it's okay. it's like uh, uh, they keep you very rooted they keep you very grounded they uh, bring you back to yourself and especially when you are involved into hobby uh, it's like a meditation you mm. know you are 
thinking about a lot of things. When you are, for example, when I'm building my Lego set, it's not necessarily I'm just thinking about instructions and putting it out. Mm. I am also thinking about my future. I'm thinking about what's happening at my office. I'm also thinking about what my next trip should be like. And all those thoughts continuously ponder you because you're so involved. You're giving so much time to your brain mm. uh, to think about those things that usually the hush-bush doesn't let us think. So I think it does that to me every Saturday, Sunday. So every wow. Saturday I get to ponder about what did I do this week? What are my long-term plans like? Uh, what probably will make a great Sunday evening dinner for me? Mm. All those things would just come across during those seven, eight hours that I spend into it. And I think probably that's the reason people in creative professions like yours, but also people who are writers and painters, they spend a lot of time by themselves yes. so that they can gather what they feel or what they experience about every day. Right. I think um, it, it has a lot to do with uh, how our brain works. Mm. So our neural activities, um, ev every sense basically takes up certain processes. Mm. Every sense is like an app. So think of your brain like a mobile phone and there are five apps. You know, right. there's a, So the moment you shut down all the apps, you kill all the apps, your brain has a lot of processor power to think about a lot of things that it wants to do in the background. Right. You know, the moment you take up one of your senses and you say, hey, I'm listening to something right now uh, and expecting that listening and some doing something together are going to give you a lot of processing space in your mind I don't think so it works that way you so know, you don't so believe that multitasking works you believe monotasking one sensor works it definitely works I'm just saying that when you want your brain to go into a space where it has to think new things has to feed its own self with a lot of your own thoughts it needs to happen with all the apps skill it can't happen you can't watch a tv and expect suddenly things to happen hmm. uh, in front of you and suddenly have crazy thoughts out of out of it you know so you have to and i think hobby does that exactly to you or writing does that exactly mm. when you're writing you're just into one single mode mm. you're not hearing what's happening outside you're not hearing the traffic noise you're not feeling a lot of hot and cold weather at that time you're not probably looking at multiple distractions you're just doing one single thing and i think that's the peak performance that your brain brings across and even if other things are happening around you you zone out you zone out. And you absolutely tune in, in. Someone who's zoned out would exactly understand the state of mind. It's a very different flow that you go into. Absolutely. And that to achieve that flow is very nirvana. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not something, and I think it's also very precious and also something to be very proud about uh, being able to, re, uh, you know, to, to have that kind of uh, experience. Because those experiences, I think, I don't know what hormones they release, but they just take you into a very pleasant space. It's like, just endless dopamine that comes when you are zoned out. So, a uh, lot of work is done by Mihai Chiksen, Mihai and Steven Kotler. And both of them understood the state of flow can be a way to be more productive, way to be extremely creative to a point of beyond your human capacity. And uh, more you study, you realize that what you're, what you're creating is an environment where you step into that state of flow every week. And people do that once in a lifetime. So, you know, that is so beautiful. I'm so happy. I think I've written some of the most uh, beautiful emails in my life post, post coming out of my Lego room. I typically, whenever I have to write something which is more than 100 words, where I have to think a lot, mm. I would keep that activity for a Saturday. So, I'll just mark it unread. Mm. Uh, post I am out of my Lego mm. zone, I am, I think, in my happiest zone. So, that's when I'll typically reply. And I, I realize the difference that would happen on a Monday morning replying to that mail versus a Saturday evening replying to that mail. Beautiful. It's a huge difference. And what you're saying is really nice that we got to create such pockets 
where we can see where I come most alive, where I'm the happiest, where I'm like calmest. But but logo ko ye sochne ke liye vakti nahi milta because we are not trained and tuned into it. Now I want to look at your Lego Jugard kind of a mind and apply that to your first film project, which you said at 21 you produced a film, uh, which is worth one crore. How did you manage to go about this? Like I believe by 21 people are thinking about what kind of career choice they should make. And here you are already producing a film, you know, being part of such a big project, which also commercially became successful. How, what, all, please tell us everything about it. So uh, uh, I, I, I was in Bombay for a couple of months before uh, my graduation. And one of my key learnings was that, uh, uh, you know, Marathis were really proud about uh, Marathi cinema picking up and this is a time when uh, Harish Chandrachi factory came up this is a time when Shaw's came up mm. and uh, I I went back on a sabbatical to Ahmedabad and I uh, was sitting with a friend who is also a director graduated from Whistling Words and he was also looking to do something different and another friend of mine who was a writer uh, again 19 year old guy still studying in fourth year of engineering wanted to write a film so uh, over a very random Tapri conversation. Tapri is like, I'm the other Kitlis. The yeah, way we yeah. have bars here, we have just Kitlis, yeah. Chaita yeah. Kitlis. So, and people bond over Kitlis. So we were sitting at one of the Kitlis discussing. Thinking, Even what? in Bombay, we have Kattas. So the same you, culture, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so Kitli, pe, and for the, the differences in Kitlis, you can sit for three hours and no one will see you anything. Okay. And people have time to sit there, to sit there for three hours also. <laughs> so it's a culture. It's a culture. Yeah. Like, uh, it's the soul of the city so we are sitting on a kitli and just discussing endlessly about what do we want to do about films and um, uh, you know I used to run a film club so I used to see a lot of whenever I used to show Bengali films in Ahmedabad I used to see a lot of Bengalis coming up uh, we never had to uh, go out to sell tickets most of people used to throng to see a Bengali film uh, we used to show Assamese films used to show Marathi nice. films and I remember we showed Arish Chandrachi factory and we had to put three screens together close to 600 Marathis who came to see oh and our discussion was going on saying that if we showed a Gujarati film no one would have actually come up because Gujaratis don't look up to Gujarati films with, with that kind of love respect typically Gujarati films used to be very rural kind of things films made in 10 15 lakh ka budget and then they just go into villages and rural setups and then they had their own superstars so he said, what could we do? So but having said that, Gujarati theatre is very, very culturally Gujarati rich. Gujarati theatre is rich, yes. Yeah, um, but cinema wasn't. But cinema wasn't. Um, and uh, Gujarati literature is also very rich. Yes. Uh, but uh, somehow, most of the talent from Gujarat overflows very easily into Bombay. So there were very, very few people who wanted to stay in Ahmedabad and do something like this. And because we were young, we had a lot of energy and we had all the risk taking that we could take. So he said, Chilo, let's go out and make a... Uh, Gujarati film uh, which would look like a Bollywood film so, it, uh, so we coined a term for it which to differentiate and tell audiences that this is not a regular Gujarati film this is a urban Gujarati film so okay. we coined a term called urban Gujarati film and that used to be the highlight in, uh, on the top of every banner and poster so you called it like yeah, a new yeah. genre so our uh, radio jingles used to say hey Kevri Tejesh an urban Gujarati film and then we picked up a topic which what does that close. mean? Huh? Kevri Tejesh means how will you go? So uh, the film was about a Patel wanting to send his kid to US by every means. Okay. So he tries everything. Like, <laughs> very right relatable. From, very relatable <laughs> for every Gujarati. Because everyone, every Gujarati would have heard a story Patel. of someone wanting to go to US not being able to get a visa. Right. And then, uh, uh, so that's what the premise we picked up. Uh, and, uh, you know, we 
with a very small budget that we started, we knew that we had limitations. And more than that, we knew that there was a bigger chance of failure. There's an almost 90% chance that people might not turn up because they were not used to seeing that content. And typically, you know, the first piece of content never makes the dent. It's only mm. after continuous efforts that your fourth or fifth film is when people start recognizing. Uh, so, uh, and we had barely any marketing budget. I was looking after distribution, so uh, we barely had uh, uh, anyone who was showing even interest to release the film. So, the first week we released the film, we had uh, barely 30 screens that we managed through a lot of jugaad. Like Sorry, whatever. You managed 30 screens. In the first week. Yeah, but, but that's but not bare. It's like 30 haan, cinemas. But in the entire state, getting 30 cinemas is not even a great thing. And we were only targeting multiplexes. And the shows that we were getting were like morning shows, 11 a.m. Okay. So, they were giving us all the dead slots. And uh, the day the film released, our trailer had around 150,000 uh, views. So oh. 1.5 lakh views that we had got because the trailer was really nice. Okay. Um, of course, the film was even better. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> uh, and the first time the trailer comes out, um, which is just 15 days before the release of the film, we were like all shivering. We were like, what of if course. the trailer doesn't get a response? Yeah. What happens then? And again, everyone's career to an extent, at least at 21, you think that your career depends on this. Right? <laughs> and... Uh, the trailer got a really good response on the first day of the uh, release friday i remember one of the multiplexes calling me up and saying hey we are wanting to increase a show for the saturday and sunday so we are going to add a evening show to this as well okay and for us that was the only good news or only positive sign because uh, like bollywood you don't get trade numbers on the very single day you typically get trade numbers a week later okay so we're like what will happen now uh, by Sunday evening, most of our shows that we had around, uh, around, uh, we had around 40 odd shows which were there, were all going houseful. <laughs> by the end of eighth week, the film was still going houseful in almost uh, more God. than 150 screens across not just in Ahmedabad or Gujarat, but also in Bombay. We also released it in pockets where Gujaratis live. So it released in Indore, in Nagpur. So we picked up those kind of pockets and put those that film out. Okay. Koper, R C T Mall, we used to be like, <laughs> we had seven shows and those seven shows oh were, God, Gujarati for... mandals were just filling those shows. So people were buying 5,000 tickets a saath you know, those 5, mandals. 5,000, okay. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of Gujarati mandals in, in Bombay. And uh, for us, it was a very enriching experience to see that uh, one of the days, a very senior uh, uh, person from the municipal corporation, he called me up and he's like, uh, you know, the commissioner wants to uh, watch the film. So can you arrange six tickets for his family? And he calls me up at 3 p.m. And you won't believe every Ahmedabad multiplex I called up and I said, Chair ticket de do mere ko, commissioner ko dekhna hai. I got ticket three days later. Wala. Same day, there are no tickets. <laughs> I told my team, Ashto, we need to get the cake and cut the cake because this is the best achievement we could have ever got <laughs> That's across. Amazing. Uh, my parents wanted to watch the film. Eventually, they had to watch it from the projector room. Uh, <laughs> interval ke pehle, interval ke baad, I could manage one or two seats for them. So I think uh, uh, that great was a success. Great success, and more than that, uh, uh, a very good confidence booster. So for me personally, it told me um, that uh, if I decided something and if I kept on pursuing it uh, for a longer time, it would eventually, you know, unfold. And we did it at a at our own terms. So you know, we had a set budget. We did it in the set budget. We had a set uh, criteria that we wanted to tick. We said, hey, this film should look like this. Mm. This film should appeal to youngsters. This film should travel globally. All those things that we were able to do with whatever limited resources, we did it fantastically. So when we look at, you're talking about the costume journey yeah. and you know, like so many times I meet people, they really have great ideas and they want to work on those great yeah. ideas. But for some reason, as they start moving forward, one obstacle comes and then they kind of like get shaken up. Second one comes and they're like, I don't even know whether I want to do it. Third one comes and they just give up. 
right. right and that is like the trajectory of dreams dying right how did you manage to continue the same zeal throughout the production keeping in mind it was your first project and there were so many obstacles so uh i don't know i honestly i don't have an answer to it because what happened at 21 stayed at 21 you know <laughs> if it was to happen at this age you know <laughs> you would have analyzed thought about it while doing I legos think, yes, <laughs> yes 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 if it <clears throat> if it happened at this age i think i would have we would have uh, thought about risks we would have thought about opportunities all those sort analysis so, that you do in your head would have happened but at 21 because there's barely anything to lose you take conscious choices you have all the time you're just starting your career most of my friends were still in their mba first year so i knew i had a head start over them right um, so i think that all started falling in place uh, but we did have a lot of obstacles yeah. for example the first obstacle that we had was to find actors mm. you know most actors said the moment they heard gujarati film they said nahi yaar we don't want to do a gujarati film which is uh, so for us to find the six lead characters took its own time of more than 10 months like multiple auditions we used to travel every weekend to bombay mm-hmm. uh, just to audition people and see if we could get talent from local theater and eventually uh, from the local theater from nasruddin shah's group uh, motley we had divyang uh, divyang who just directed jayesh bhai jorda yeah. uh, so divyang was an actor back then straight mm-hmm. out of his ling words he was doing something in motley and Uh, we said hey this is not the kind of hero we wanted but to get someone like him yeah. we might change the script Character here and there a bit, okay. uh, a bit similarly we couldn't find a single actress so then we found a girl who wanted to become an actress with way less prior experience and then we said hey um, let's uh, work with her uh, let's work with her because right now we don't have choice of getting uh, the kind of people we want because there's no industry mm. uh, practically this theater but theater people again have their own bread and butter going on so they don't want to allocate 6 months into something like this and then we had multiple rounds of rehearsals uh, to make sure that their language changes to divyang was from bombay so his gujarati was very mumbai or gujarati okay. doesn't work there right um, veronica was from surat so she was the lead actress and uh, uh she had that surti accent now you're making a gujarati film and with gujarati this is a typical problem you know you can actually speak to gujarati for 30 seconds you can make out what part Baja, of exactly. what district they are from you can actually <laughs> yeah, figure oh, okay. that out so you like we can't have a mumbai and a surat person doing a film in gujarati because they'll be right. like, look very fake so we had to train them through that accent and a lot of those exercises we had to do uh which probably now people don't have to do when they are planning right. a film you know we had to convince a distributor we had to uh we had to uh, convince a producer uh we had to convince a line producer for example uh, to be a part of it because line producers had their own tv shows there were barely any line producers there's just one yeah, person with monopoly say, yeah. and he said hey i am booked for television i do television 30 days i make a lot of money why should i do a film so we had to get that person inside so i think we had all those kind of costumes i was telling you yeah. you know um we never had budget for costumes we had a bare small 50000 ka budget in which we had to pay a costume uh, person who was with us throughout the project and also get the clothes so, so you said, pay, you said you paid 20000 out of haan, it to her so, and you so were the rest left of the nothing. money we went to ravivari so ravivari is this barter ma- uh, market that happens in amdavad okay. uh, which is all second and third and fourth and you don't know what hand uh, <laughs> clothes you get so we got clothes in kgs wahan se kg like haan. literally in bulk then sabke ghar pe we just distributed it to every team we said go to home and wash, wash it, it. <laughs> bring it back then we'll get a iron wala guy uh, we'll see kaun sa kapda kisko fit hota hai most of things in fact i think lead characters may because i used to be a hefty guy back then so lead characters may we had anang desai and those people they are wearing my shirts Achha. like mera jitna bhi formal shirt tha na i said aisa karke hi sab logon ne bhi made the oh, okay now it feels feels very surreal but back then we never had an option we had to do right. it uh, yeah. so it just happened with the flow so if 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 you look back you know i know it's difficult but if you have to like think about what mindset did you have while all of this was going on 
you know what mind so like there's an idea and you you said we were very picky we were very clear but there's always like you don't when you have all of this going sometimes you believe that it might not even work out uh i think uh, like i said if i was doing it today i would have always had sort a cross question today i was always put a sort to it and say hey this might not work out let me not do it right. when i was in my college i tried multiple things so i uh, when i was in my college in my first year i said i want quick pocket money because my dad used to give me a very limited amount so barely <laughs> 500 rupees a month that i could save out of it okay. so i said uh, abhi to itna paisa to chalega nahi so i figured out that there was need for every department to have its own t-shirt like customized t-shirt right so i said i make a photoshop aata hai and i'll figure out how to get these t-shirts printed so i went to all the department ka uh, you know Heads. class leaders uh-huh. and all all those people and i said i can get your department ka t-shirt printed with your name at the back so everyone will have their own name t-shirt ka and uh, it will cost you around 350 400 rupees i used to go to a local market get them printed for 150 rupees and then Profit. i used to make that kind of thing right. so for yeah. me first year i did that then i expanded it into second year uh, i started taking up larger quantity thousand quantity orders and this used to be my separate ha i was preparing for my cat and this used to happen uh, so for me i think uh, that was one experience when i said acha i am to an extent i am someone who will not feel easily right um, then i appeared for the cat and i used to be like one of the most lethargic students throughout my life okay. like 60% pe ekdam stagnant Sorry. 60 se upar nahi jana 60 se niche nahi jana but it was consistent ha 12th uh-huh. standard mein i scored 50% okay. and that was the lowest score in my life and the happiest score of my life because Happy. i ha i graduated my principal told pass nahi hoga my father was like that was the first time and the last time he took me out for dinner alag se because without any occasion on 50% on 50% you like beta pass, pass ho gaya and okay. he is someone from physics so <laughs> physics mein mere 97 out of 100 the so he was very happy ki chalo physics mein this guy sorted right. everything else he he'll take care in his life uh, so for me when i appeared for cat i scored somewhere around 98.9 so for me it was a shock कैसेरशिप्स because all of these things had happened back to back you know the mm-hmm. t-shirt thing and then uh, the the uh, film club thing uh, and my cats course so i was in a zone in my head saying that okay if i try something excess- excessively hard there's a very less chance that i might fail at it um, and hence i think that risk taking ability had come into me already uh, by the time i was in my late 19s by my early 20s so for me it never felt that i was taking a risk because i said if we work enough hard to make this film happen will be able to do something like this and i think it stayed with me for even the first initial couple of years for ifp as well mm-hmm. now i never saw back and said hey ye aisa karte to acha hota ye nahi karna chahiye tha ye aisa risk zyada le liya ya nahi liya mm-hmm. i never saw it from that perspective i just kept on going with all the energy by the time i reached late 20s then that's when it started kicking in that everything now needs to have a vetted decision you just can't uh, right. take decisions based on your uh, energy instinct and instinct and all, that, yeah. and all of it you have i'll have to be much more a uh, better planned at um, uh, at thing then i think that energy that positive energy saying that everything good is going to happen if i put my 100% also vanished and i had a reality <laughs> check i said okay aisa nahi hota sometimes uh, there are a lot of other factors that are into play 
uh, which would have been by my side during my early 20s but probably mm. now I'll have to be, be a little bit more uh, careful practical. about it. Yeah, practical, practical about practical things. Way. So I think that started, uh, so my, my zone of my mind was more saying that whatever I'll do, mm. I'll do my best and I'll make it a success. And I, that was from my late 19s up till almost till 28, 29. That was the zone and I think it, it just caught up very well with it. So uh, if you look at IFP, there are like these almost unbelievable kind of guests that you have managed to get on board. And every every project, if you have to analyze and understand, you have done things that nobody has ever done. And you're like, okay, so do you think like this? Do you kind of begin with like, okay, nobody has ever done it, let me uh, find a way or you get inspired by ideas? I think again, this uh, comes from the first question you had asked me about, uh, you know, when I had told you that um, I used to always feel a little different because the kind of toys I had hmm. you know, and that kept on happening. Or oh, the cool kid. Oh, yeah, yeah, my internships <laughs> were different. Uh, the kind of uh, courses that I did were different. Uh, the kind of uh, things I did early in my life were very different than what people around me were doing hmm. largely. Um, and then this entire idea set in my head saying that if I am not doing something different, then probably I might not be the best person to execute it. Hmm. Uh, I think that has been a very core thing at IFP. I've I briefed that as the number one thing to anyone who's joining the team. I said, hey, we are not here to repeat what we did last year. Hmm. You know, we can't take that as a benchmark. This year, what's new is what we have to think about. So let's be those people who are setting new benchmarks rather than someone who's just comparing our benchmarks from others and then following them and saying, okay, this festival did this, let us do that. So we never do right. that. So okay. we... we uh, that's why so much of Yeah, innovation. and that's where uh, I think some of our processes have taken longer time to set because we never compared, we never went out and said, so we faltered, did it right, but we kept on doing it uh, 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 you know, consistently by our own means. So Abhibi, the kind of culture that we have set at IFP is that let's do something very different or let's not do it. So we'll so never take up a campaign, even if it's very meaty campaign, if it's giving you easy money, we'll never take those things up. We'll just say either this has to make a lot of sense, it has to give us a lot of satisfaction, otherwise let it pass. Like someone mm. else will do it who does a lot of mediocre things, but will not touch anything which is going to be mediocre. Interesting, because this whole concept of mediocrity, I personally set very high standards for myself and every high performer that I have worked with, I've also seen them. Like it is not to prove a point to other people, but they really want to set high standards because this is where they feel they thrive. Exactly. I think uh, also I've seen probably from a very early set of days, my dad used to mention this is that um, you know, mediocrity kills a lot of things. We can't celebrate mediocrity for a lo long time. It's mm. probably it's a, as a part of a learning phase, you can pass through it, but you can't stay in that zone. Yep. You know, you have to be like an atom. You need to just go to the highest level of your orbit. Right. Uh, you can't just say, stay close to your nucleus and say, I'm very comfortable here. I love this example. I, I always use it. I'm like, if, if an atom has to move from one orbit to the other, it has to go through that painstaking, difficult process. But that's how the transformation, transformation happens. happens. exactly. And you choose it for yourself before the situation chooses for you. Right. And there are a lot of traps around us that pull us back into mediocrity. Traps people, processes, comforts. things that you see, comforts, a lot of things, internal things, external things that uh, that happen. But the constant fight that I have probably today, every day, one constant fight that I have is to how do I fight mediocrity? Beat and what everything. do you do? Uh, I think uh, I don't have a larger plan. I just, if I think something is happening mediocre, I'll stop it, rethink it, and then again restart it. But there's also uh, an aspect, practical aspect of things are working. You know, most of the time people look at it like that. Sab chal hai. Hmm. Results are 
why to change something that is already working? I also went through that phase uh, temporarily, I think somewhere in 2019. I went through a very similar phase. I like, why should I chase perfection in things? I can actually, mediocre things are working out. But then I, I think I don't, uh, I'm a person who will never, or not even like that. I just think that as a human, uh, if you are just doing something that everyone else is doing, hmm. uh, if, if you're just copying something which is mediocre and you're also just trying to do it by being another mediocre, then you're just another fish in that larger lake. Absolutely. You know? yeah. to, 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 to do something which is uh, probably something that your kids are going to tell with a lot of pride <laughs> to your uh, to their friends saying that yeah. hey, this is what my dad did. You have yeah. to always do something very differently. So for me, very small decision that I take is um, five years down the line, will I regret if this uh, stays like this or will I uh, celebrate proud it? Of it? If the yeah. answer is regret, then I'll probably understand saying that, hey, this is mediocre. Yeah. So I think that's a very easy thing for me to take a decision. Uh, and something that I've been doing with my colleagues at uh, IFP back uh, is uh, that pushed them uh, into a lot in the initial days of their joining into a, a lot into perfection. So I pushed them into uh, even if they're writing an email, I'll make them write five times until I say this is the best email you could have written hmm. uh, according to me. Let's go to that standard and probably got a lot of them come back to me and say, what is hmm. the Communicating the Efficiency message. Efficiency is about speed. Get Haan, it done. If I can write 10 emails in an hour, uh, but they are mediocre versus I can write three emails which are hmm. perfect, then why should I do? But then I tell them that in longer term, what, it, what is going to pay is people are going to remember you as a person who wrote one of the best emails and not someone who was just uh, there replying to your email because there are 10,000 people who are going to reply. And these days, artificial intelligence also does rep reply yeah. you very nicely. You don't even know if it's a human or a True. bot you're talking to. True. So what's the difference between you being a human mm. with so much of brain versus an artificial intelligence just... Who's just doing the programming to give you like the Right, exactly. So I think that is where I have to carefully make them understand the difference and when they understand it, I think that that happens. But I like the fact that you are saying that writing one email requires that level of attention and practice. And mostly people not even think about it. They're like, oh, get done with it. Get the work done. And that's the focus. But it's about every part of the process that can become like a Lego piece moving and being placed at the right place. And uh, the, the, the down part of it is you also expect people to be uh, perfect then. Mm. Typically, people with who are not your team, you know. So, for example, whenever I get an email which is very half written, which is, which is <laughs> where people are saying sincerely, but they're not sincere about it, you just catch hold of those details oh, and yeah. then you're like, hey, why did you even do that? That is a curse of following It's excellent. a curse of being, and uh, again, the same thing. Uh, I think the strength of not celebrating mediocrity, you might enjoy fruit once a day, but the curse comes 10 times a day. Yes. You know, when someone You're highly disappointed me, throughout. <laughs> you're highly disappointed throughout. And I think uh, uh, I have to believe, I have to now accept that this disappointment is going to be constant because I'm not working with the people of, no one is ever going to work with people of same caliber. I think even Bill Gates on days would have so much of disappointment from Satya Nadella, he would be like, what are you doing, dude? I built such a great company. What are you doing to it? I'm sure. I'm sure because yeah. you've, you've just reached another level of perfection. Then you expect it from everyone around you and that's the wrong thing. I expect it from my cook. Yeah. I expect her to be perfect knowing that he's not someone who comes from the same level of probably intellectual thinking I would have been coming from. Yeah. 
uh, probably very different growth but i expect her to come with new recipes all the time right. i expect her to youtube <laughs> new things to me and i yeah, like what is, what happened to your content ha <laughs> i am like hafte mein do bar aloo paratha khila rahe ho parathe mein bhi there are 20 varieties ab youtube to karo she doesn't do it not that she is a lazy yeah. she probably is doing best of her part just that my expectations from her are different absolutely like if there are 10000 meals which are possible why am i eating the same 20 all the time absolutely. so i think that happens yeah uh, i have i've got my mother to do youtubes and okay. also i i sat with her and told her how one thing can be checked with five youtubers and then you discover, discover your recipe right, right. my mother has been like being very dedicated so yeah i i think i can share some tips of how to get your cook interested, interested. <laughs> <laughs> so over to you pritam what questions do you have for me i have your handwriting sample for our viewers and listeners there is uh, we asked pritam to write few lines on a blank unruled sheet of paper along with his signatures and i have the sample with me so what do you what questions do you have for me whenever you look at things from short term you'll always do things to achieve short term gains whenever you look at things from long term uh, you'll do Build. right things uh, kind of thing and it has stayed with me for a longer time so i think that i have never seen ki main next ifp mein kya karunga that is not my thing probably when i'm 50 that would be almost 30th edition of IFP. ifp going on that has to be the best edition for me so now to make that the best edition for the next 18 years i'll have to make sure that i'm putting every inch of my soul into making this one so when you see it so abhi ke jo chote mistakes hai na then they don't so that then i don't fight those smaller mistakes at this current time so mm-hmm. i i don't say okay abhi ye mere paas ye kam hai to chalo let me try and solve it Fix because it then some term. some other hole will pour in and then you will try to close that hole har jagah se pani leak hona shuru ho jayega instead of that you say okay this is where i want to reach right now these are my shortcomings i don't want to close my shortcomings in next 2 months i'll take 2 years to do that but i'll do them perfectly so that for next 20 years again that hole doesn't up uh, mm-hmm. you know so my boss used to say ki tire mein puncture padta hai na तो ऐसे ठीक करो कि उसमें वो पंक्चर कभी वापस नहीं ना पड़े नया हुआ तो बात अलग नया है। हुआ तो बात अलग है बट उसको ऐसा रिपेयर करो सो आई ऑलवेज हैव दिस एनोलॉजी इन माय हेड कि इफ इफ टू इफ दिस समथिंग व्हिच हैज टू बी सॉर्टेड थिंक ऑफ इट फ्रॉम लॉन्गर टर्म शॉर्ट टर्म में यू माइट फॉर एग्जांपल समटाइम्स यू हैव अ प्रॉब्लम सेइंग दैट एक जगह पे कोई गलत टैलेंट आ गया हाइड समवन हु इज नॉट मेकिंग सेंस यू थिंक अरे अभी ये गलत टैलेंट आ गया अभी ये चला जाएगा अब मतलब अभी मैं इसको निकाल दूंगा काम खराब हो जाएगा एक्स वाई जेड मेरा काम कौन देखेगा and a long term approach would be can i train this person to become better because abhi ke liye he or she might not fit but probably 6 months or one year later this person might become that kind of person and in fact 50% of my team right now are those people whom in the very first few days agar main about short term dekhta na to wo rehte nahi wahan pe hmm. i would have literally told them ki nahi ho payega but then i was very persistent i said i have to look for 20 year long time and if i have to see that these people are going to stay with me for 10 years so the, those 10 years ke liye i'll have to at least spend those 6 8 12 months in preparing them for the rest of 9 years hmm. and then i can't complain in those 12 months saying that are isse kaam nahi ho raha mujhe pata hai usse nahi ho raha hmm. but i have to prepare him for next 9 years so i think that only happens when you have a very long term vision to so things. when do you know uh, when to quit on somebody like in a long After run after 12 months <laughs> if still it is not working if it's still not working i think you give people enough time Uh, and i think you throughout that entire process you understand where you are wanting to steer them and how closely are they coming there are some people who outperform who you know are like people you can't let them go there are some people who will just perform exactly that way you want so you know, at the end of 6 months they are already aligned then you're just polishing them and there are some people who will always stay apart from what you are wanting to achieve so you want to achieve a they'll always stay at b they'll never mm. come to a mm. but 
not that they are bad, just that you do not going to well. And then you say, "Acha, abhi isme I have put enough time. This person is not going to uh, work Change. with uh, hmm. me forever." But trying is is more long term thing. Hmm. Quitting is a very short term thing. Absolutely. So, you, you, so making sure. Ha, like I have this thing. Yeah, I want to know. I have tried every single stone. I have I have turned it to before I say. आई वॉन्ट क्विट ऑन समथिंग और जब मुझे लगता है कि हाँ सब हो गया अभी मेरे पास कोई ट्रिक नहीं बचा कोई टेक्निक नहीं बचा देन ओके नाउ इट इज अ टाइम फॉर मतलब इट्स अ वेरी सिंपल एनर्जी कैलकुलेशन हाउ मच एनर्जी यू वॉन्ट टू पुट इन टू सम वन देर पीपल आई पुट वेरी लेस एनर्जी इन टू मेकिंग देम वॉट देर इन राइट नो एंड एक्सेलिंग वेर एवर दे आर विद इन आई एफ पी आउटसाइड आई एफ पी एक्सेलिंग आई टिपिकली फील माई कॉन्ट्रीब्यूशन टू देम was very less compared to how they outgrew themselves there are people where i've put a lot of energy and they've still stayed with me and are trying to become better mm. but it's worth because they are trying every day to become better mm. and there are people where you put whatever energy they are like black hole they'll just suck everything out of you and they'll stay however they are yeah. that is i think a no go zone mm. typically and matlab uh, it it's uh and then you have a very direct intuition saying that now is the time to call it quits yeah so uh you know passion versus profitability how do you differentiate because large part of your work looks very passionate and you're detail oriented and you give your heart and soul to it but you're also highly profitable so how I, do you keep that i i think for me uh, uh if you have to choose between both of them i'll always choose profitability that's my number one thing since the day i decided to not go for a job and start something of my own my i remember that was a very weird conversation i called my nana hmm. and my nana ji is like uh, uh, someone who's been a principal all his life uh, you know always had a very broad mindset about things but one thing that he used to hate was uh, was someone doing business and mera family mein no one has ever done business someone Achha. no one has my family okay. mein everyone is a teacher like you pull anyone from my family ka tree na most <laughs> 9 out of 10 people would be teachers so my nana was like ki even if you don't want to become a teacher become someone uh, who's doing a, a respectable job but business must start karna <clears throat> so when i called him up and i said maine bahut socha but now i want to start a business of my own and probably i'll give myself couple of years if it doesn't work out of course i'll have a fall back option but i don't want to right now uh, do something and mm. uh, he said it's your decision very nice but make sure since the day one that your business is profitable mm. you know, don't ever go into losses because losses will make you do things which you never wanted to do you know mm. they'll make you back they'll make you make you uh, you know take projects which you don't want they'll make you and anyone who's gone through a phase of business losses knows how toll taking it is not just for you for your entire team for your entire family so for me since the day one the thing has been how do i stay profitable even if i am making a rupee more than what i am investing i want to be that person aisa hmm. so thankfully in ifp history and in india to run a festival yeah. is a difficult most thing there are biggest of festivals which have closed down shut down because of their financial issues they've got billion dollar companies backing them mm. the only festivals which have survived in india for a longer time have been government funded festivals which have survived for more than 5 years mm. typically you know uh, mumbai has its own film festival keeps crashing every few yeah. years you know they suddenly come up my father down. was uh, was an art director with films division huh. and he they used to have that international film festival every year right. and i saw like how mismanaged and how all over the place it can be yes. you know like so people didn't know how to figure this exactly yeah. so festivals not the music festivals but otherwise any cultural art literature festivals they look very easy on the face but they are almost as good as making a film you know there is okay. lot that goes behind a festival yeah. and and to to keep it profitable and keep it nice 
is a very tricky thing very mm. tricky thing i keep meeting a lot of festival founders mm. uh, and festival directors and a lot of people whose festivals they started went big suddenly and then went off the track abhi kisi ko pata hi nahi aisa ek festival hua karta tha right and one of my learning was that they uh, they chased they said hey i want to create a best festival out there they did it they created a best festival but with no profitability yeah they didn't so think, think money they didn't keep that in mind right and whatever we have been doing today you know whatever passion also supersedes something which is called survival you know your survival is getting your food inside three times yeah. a day and for that you need money so right. if you don't have profitability the entire passion wala thing falls apart i've seen people who are probably 20 times more passionate than what you or i could be hmm. but they have failed at multiple things because they couldn't keep things so profitable and now they are cannot chase their passion because they don't have money left for it so you shouldn't be in that particular position so for me it's very simple be profitable spend only what you are able to do it so i don't go into fancy uh things saying that oh i have a 100 member team and we are doing that i don't need a 100 member team my I, if i have a 25 people team and they are capable of doing things which are as good as 100 uh people, people? team yeah. i'll better stay invested uh pay these 25 people 50 log ka paisa main 25 log ko de dunga so that they are motivated enough and still remain profitable by saving on the rest of the 50 people mm. i think that's a much wiser strategy to do rather than uh, saying that uh, you know i am chasing my passion passion and the one day you get, go bankrupt yeah so and i've seen far more people going bankrupt i can imagine i can imagine the passion is such a risky game to play because then it your emotions take over your emotions take over uh, when you're passionate about things uh, you sometimes lose the vision yeah. uh, of get blindsided by what you you're blindsided uh, uh, by it uh, and uh, more than that i think when you're involved into something you stop looking into smaller details and details like money you know mm-hmm. uh, which is where saying that hey where the money is coming from where the money is going from right. i make sure that abhi bhi ifp mein every month i am involved into accounting for at least half a day so i know exactly what all transactions happened where mm-hmm. did we spend where did we don't uh, we we not spend it's okay agar tumhare ko 11 baje ka flight 6000 ka pad raha hai to subah 9 baje uth ke chale jao 2000 ka flight hai to wo le lene ka very simple business things दो घंटे में इतना फर्क तुम्हारे को नहीं पड़ेगा बट मल्टीप्लाइड बाय 25 पीपल टेकिंग अ कन्वीनिएंट फ्लाइट विल डेफिनेटली इम्पैक्ट समथिंग लाइक अबाउट एटीट्यूड आल्सो हाउ यू लुक एट मनी हाँ बिकॉज यू वांट टू स्टे प्रॉफिटेबल सो आई थिंक यू नो यू नो दैट हे आई कैन बी पैशनेट ओनली इफ आई एम प्रॉफिटेबल आई कैंट से दैट आई एम रनिंग वन ऑफ द बेस्ट फेस्टिवल्स and saying that is sal maine bahut acha festival kiya but i don't have money for the next one right. so what, what yeah. do i do True. so i think that balance comes from those smaller things and also comes from the fact that you want to do it for 30 years and not like 2 years right. so, so the vision also feeds into one thing that, okay i have to make sure that for next festival i have enough money left so that mm-hmm. i can do it right so that's how i i think and that entire team has been kept in the same attitude i i think that is one of the most uh, energy effortless thing that has happened is i've convinced my team saying that not just at the office but even at your homes if you can save a penny by doing something and not compromising on your uh, your perfection then do that so save money but without compromising on what excellence on looks like compromise yeah. on your sleep you can compromise on all the things <laughs> but don't compromise and especially when it comes to uh, running a business in media and entertainment i think uh, i've seen and we all have seen far too many businesses suddenly come up suddenly go big and yeah. then disappear when find it and then you suddenly say Uh, and then you see those people starting something again then suddenly they are do- doing something good 
so then it again vanishes and you're like and i've seen people i've seen people who have done four such businesses in front of me and like humne start sath mein kiya tha uske baad wo char bar alag alag cheez kar chuka i'm still there right so i'm like consistently probably 30 years later i might become as big as what they could become in one year but mm-hmm. that's fine uh, as long as i'm consistently doing it for 30 years True. but at the end of 30th year my perfection level would have been very different yeah. you know abhi aaj ke din mein for example we've got processes like like i said na that we do a psychoanalysis of every speaker who's coming hmm. we've got those kind of detailed processes for every department hmm. you know so every even a social media post can't go without saying ki acha bhai ek bande ne slack pe approval de diya chala gaya aisa us cheezon ke liye bhi we have processes are there basic so you have to set thing we have to say okay every month these are the total posts i'm doing these are my posts which are going to get me a lot of audience engagement these are my meaningful posts which are going to get me a lot of uh, goodwill and love and between them these are my posts which are going to Promotion. generate votes for me now mm. on basis of those posts these many posts i am going to talk about films these many posts i am going to talk about music these many posts i am going to talk about design that level of uh, breakdown which has happened and then within that there are 20 different formats these are the formats which out of 100 work for me 80 times these are formats out of 100 work for me 60 times so which are the formats i am going to pick up us mm. level ka when you are going into those kind of detailing this way less chance that you are creating those ground holes for falling into uh, into failure Okay. Over to you. What questions do you okay. have for me? Okay. I have I'm going to refer to this because I written. First question that I have for you and is a constant fight in my head is that as a leader how much should you trust your intuitions especially when you have been doing something for over a decade. You know so a lot of times I tend to take less data based and more intuition based uh, decisions which might or might not fall in the right or wrong place but I think uh, because I have been doing something for 10 years I I have a belief that intuition should now take over data at some point but mm. uh, because you've interacted with so many performers what do you think would be a better way out of them so two part answer to this first because i have your handwriting sample and because graphology is a way of doing the psychoanalysis the way i use it as a behavioral analyst i would first rely on who you are and how you make decisions to begin with okay some people consider data as numbers as excel sheets or market research that's one way of looking at data for you you keep collecting data by observing by seeing how the things are kept whether people are paying attention uh, the way they are involved so wow. th- those are also data points and you continue to do that in every interaction with that person about that project and i'm saying this because when you write your lower case letter m there are like these very beautifully formed humps there like a mcdonald's m and that is for anybody he is a data collector throughout collector to begin with you in your house you would have many many things that you keep collecting thinking that you would use them one day but it comes from collection now that is one aspect but you also write your handwriting in a disconnected manner that shows someone who believes in intuition a lot okay so there is no way that you would ever make decision only logically without being intuitive about it so what you got to keep in mind is that is your style your data collection looks different than what most mba schools will teach you oh okay your Never data is yeah. very deeply associated with your observations by knowing and by putting people in situations and seeing how they respond to it that is your data collection wow and that intuition for you is processing it in a manner which is predecided now the second part of the question you said is i'm doing something for 10 years now intuition used to be like oh i i closed my eyes and i had this vision and this is what i'm going to do 
that's not how intuition works for leaders and most leaders i meet they believe they have trained their gut which means every time you felt the risk you made a mistake you got something right you have trained your gut with all the experiences that you have had is a physical and emotional experience so because you are consistent and because you keep putting yourself through the same experience every year your intuition is also trained it's not like it's happening out of your you know out of like some vision coming to you it's happening because you're working at it and you're training your gut to be more intuitive about this information right so that's just oh, very interesting i think a very different way of look at looking saying that data cannot just be numbers you know yep. it's also your observations that you're making across because uh, i've i've noticed that uh, a lot of my decisions that are intuition based uh, i have much better chances of succeeding in those uh, versus a lot of them which are data based of course the chances would be fairly closer by but whenever i've taken something based on my intuition i i have much more confidence that i'll be able to do it so i, I would have given a different answer to you if you were an emotional person like in your handwriting if i would have seen that your emotions take over the question that i asked about profit versus a passion if you would have been somebody who loses track of the objectivity i would have said something else but in your case you are highly objective and analytical you constantly sit down and break things down to understand okay if i choose this option what would happen that option what would happen so all of this boils down to analysis so your intuitions are not in thin air they are not emotional decisions your intuitions are logic backed so if you want to still train yourself to look at numbers more you can do that because that might open a new door like someone the other day said uh, one of my professors uh, from iim bangalore said that most fictional stories are written in excel sheets right so you know numbers have their own ways of talking about things and they can be deceptive right. so if you train yourself to read and see through numbers as a different skill set altogether right. so for a for you know to build yourself as a better leader you can work on it but current decision making absolutely has lot of data points to begin with very interesting this brings me to another question um that i had was that uh, since my childhood i have been skilled into multiple uh, things you know by um when i was 8 i start i edited my first short and edited my first video on a digital camera which was a main fancy gadget that my dad got across uh, very cool kid you were yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, when i was i think uh, in my 10th standard i would have been 12 or 13 i programmed my first software uh, back then and then i was also a lot into drawings i was not into a sport but uh, uh, someone who also started up early in college i uh, i started making money much earlier although it was not the like by the best of the means but i still used to do a lot of things which taught me so i know photoshop for example i would know all the softwares i'd know how to code uh, something i'll know all the excel ka functions that will come into it uh, when it comes to for example writing or grammar i'll make sure that i am um, very well versed with my vocabulary uh, for example very exposed to what's happening in the international creative scenario all those things and uh, contrastingly when i meet people for example say my team members uh, who are not multi skilled probably they are just skilled in one particular thing or even partially skilled in one particular thing there's an expectation clash that happens mm-hmm. not just in professional terms but also in my personal terms uh, uh, the kind of friends that i have around you know because i expect people saying it okay if i am like this everyone would be like this um, but i always find that there's this difference and for me it i expect them think that ye to isse ho hi jayega na right and then when they are not able to do it there's a very obvious disappointment that happens out of it um and i think that it should not be the case 
but uh, i don't know how to overcome something like this and i i've heard this in one of the podcasts by uh, i don't remember which podcast but uh, he was interviewing and uh, this this business leader who runs one of the largest food brands in us he said the same thing he said are i go through this problem because i expect people to be like me and they are not like me uh, and my expectations from them are endless and uh, because they fall short on one of the expectations i even expect more next time mm. saying okay this they can't do but this i am uh, and when they start continuously falling short of multiple things then i get disappointed which is yeah. a very wrong thing to expect out of people so what what would be your take on it okay so one of my coaches told me many years ago that if you are a founder if you are an like owner of anything remember that people you work with do not own your company Right. they do not get the kind of money recognition power you know all of that they don't get it right. so once you accept that they say they work for their jobs and you work for a vision right so fundamentally you're on two different trajectories to begin with they there if they had what you have right. then they would have run their own businesses the fact that they're working as as a team member you have to know that that's not how they think about life so if you do not understand that trajectory you will always be disappointed but that also happens outside of your office i'm coming example. coming to okay. the point so first is setting the context so whomever yeah. is not yeah. your so called member or not uh, owner you have to cut some slack for them that they're working for salary and you're working for a vision that helped me a lot because then i just became less uh, disappointed less upset, upset more than anything else the second aspect of it is you can lead people by example after a point people who want to get inspired they look at you look at your passion about how much detailing do you do how how you are willing to reinvent yourself every now and then and they get inspired and they follow the the whole process but if somebody is unwilling to learn it's about learnability right. i'll go back to mindsets okay one is called growth mindset and fixed mindset it's carol dweck's work and she if you haven't read the book like it's one of the most amazing books on my reading can, list yes. yeah so Uh, she speaks that some people are born and trained into fixed mindset which means they believe their talent is limited and whatever they know is as far as they can go right and they try to just live in that limit because if you expose them to one uncertain element they feel they will be exposed that they are not good enough so they fight the possibility right and then there are people like you who are brought up and also born probably with growth mindset so the very moment they feel they achieved something they quickly want to move to the next level and achieve something else that they have never done before you know in many uh, things that you said and the vocabulary that you use is completely growth mindset you said nothing uh, things that nobody has ever done why because you can grow and you can learn uh, people who uh, we would do psychoanalysis for people because if they come together we want to i want to predict what happens i don't want to only see probability of like you know the conversation going good or not i want to have the skill set to predict the unpredictable right now that is a growth mindset because i want to challenge myself every day now if you create an environment where people are rewarded for being growth minded it is a possibility that they start thinking in that manner right but so what happens when when you are continuously dealing with people uh, who don't have this kind of a mindset and so what happens when you put a a, a growth talent and a growth mindset together and i think there are obviously going to be clashes which are going to happen absolutely and i believe that for growth minded people they think it is an unnecessary challenge to deal with right it right, is not right. it is an essential challenge to deal with that when somebody is uninterested in growing at the pace that you do how do you deal with it 
you know the fact that you dismiss like i think a large part of it comes from judgment we say how could you not do it it's not okay yeah, so, yeah. It so happens the, with me all the time so the very moment you have judgment you have already decided that they're wrong or they're incapable yeah. or they're uninterested and you are looking at it with the lens of incorrect as a coach one thing i have learned like people are very very different and if i can't communicate something to them as a coach i take responsibility of reframing my message until it is spoken in a manner that that reaches you yeah. the very moment i take responsibility for that whether that person grows or not rhythm one thing for sure i grow with every misunderstanding i because i analyze i say something and i'm like okay did i make an impact no you didn't the person mm-hmm. is still behaving like that did i change something no you didn't so that becomes a game for growth mindset instead of feeling disappointed so i think that's going to be a big takeaway for me from today it's like recipe right like when i didn't know cooking i would like try this basic dal and it would just get spoiled and i'm like tadka nahi lag raha hai tadka nahi lag raha and i would get like irritated about it i'm like how difficult it is and then in 2019 i moved and stayed alone in hyderabad for one year that was my so- experiment of staying in a place that you don't know anyone of and learning skills that you have never learned before so cooking was one of them and i said i'm going to i didn't hire a cook i said i'm going to figure this out i suffered for 7 days 10 days i couldn't eat and the food was terrible but i said because i commit till the time i don't do right steps the recipe will tell me that i am getting it wrong people are like recipes they are honest if your communication if your environment if your gesture is incorrect they taste bad the relationship tastes bad but you we blame them as oh why is it tasting bad i learned after cooking that it's my responsibility to change the recipe enough until it start tasting good right such well put yeah <laughs> think this analogy is going to stay with me for a yeah. very long time <laughs> <laughs> and that being brings me to another question that i have from you okay so i feel this immense guilt in saying no a lot of times you know <laughs> and uh, again this is from both the places from professional and from personal places as well and uh, this has put me into a soup a lot more times than what i thought and especially uh, when it comes from performance point of view for mm. example um, i have had to accept things because i couldn't say no i had to accept things which were mediocre right you know i had to accept people and their behavior which was mediocre, uh, mediocre for example and uh, when i look at it from a growth mindset it's a very anti growth thing mm. you know instead of selecting the best things you are also selecting things which are probably not best but because you couldn't say no to them now you also have them in your basket mm. so along with the best eggs you also have some mediocre Rotten, eggs now yeah. with you what do you think uh, should be done in a situation like this where saying no is a thing and typically i am not a person who can easily say no for me an honest conversation is the most difficult thing that i can do with someone with whom i am a little bit close enough for example even with my team members to have an honest conversation up till where it is limited to the good positive things i am like <laughs> ye to kar lenge the moment they come back to me and for example sometimes people who come with crazy ideas yeah. uh, you know uh, which might sound very good on paper but they're not something which are practical and i know they've put in a lot of their time and effort in making it uh, happen they've probably not slept for last three nights to put it for me to see it and i didn't like them but for me to say no thing that hey we can't do this yeah. is a very difficult thing so how it puts me into soup is i have to then find a way to either make them change it or i have to then find all the routes that i should not be taking instead of telling them saying that hey this doesn't work because this is not what we are wanting to do hmm. so how do you think someone does that so what happens to you when you say no I you might have said sometime na no? yes but yeah. i feel this immense guilt uh 
when so when what is what is the thinking behind what happens inside your mind i feel that oh, they might not like or they might not want to hear no as an answer to it right and oh, it might not be a pleasant thing to to our relationship okay then what would happen so eventually i'll accept something which will make no, no, them no no if they don't like you saying no then what would happen they don't like i don't know if i have thought so much but uh, it depends think, from circumstances to circumstances as a thinking yeah. like I think, think about one situation where you could have said no and then you stopped yourself just bring at it in your mind and let's just do like this deep dive deep dive so on this so probably that would have put a little bit of soreness between me and strain them strain in that relationship strain in that relationship yes okay then what would have happened eventually uh, either they will give up or either i will give up someone will have to mend that strain someone will have to find a right way to do uh, and there's a possibility that it won't happen and thereby you would lose that relationship or the the I comfort that you have goes, right yeah, now yeah deep down i think that's yeah so when you, the very moment you think about saying no what is happening subconsciously is your mind is already thinking about the other person walking out or you walking out and then you're not only thinking about saying no in one project one presentation on one thing huh. you're already mentally dealing with a breakup in that relationship right right so right. that first we have to understand that you can't say no because your mind is not preparing for saying no in one project is preparing for a breakup right which is non existent right okay second thing is do you have people around you who said no with respect calmness and firmness do you know people like that yes okay so then the vocabulary that they use or if there are people who can naturally simply do it just start observing them what do they do how do they manage to just be comfortable about it but most people understand no as rejection because it is done in a rejection manner right it is done rudely it is done in a very derogatory manner right. and probably we don't know somebody might have done that to you when they said no they were very harsh so because you have Actually, the repercussions of feeling that that you know all all that happened after that you don't want to do it to anyone so i think uh, that is where it stems from probably a past experience where i would have said no and then it didn't end up well uh, but when you're saying it right now um door right now i am not remembering an instance where someone would have said no which means they were so good at saying no that i don't <laughs> know that so But, it happens yeah. to me in coaching sessions after like uh, you know people expect me to analyze good and bad and i do it like that's what you know i feel as a coach my job is to hold a mirror which will show you everything after 30 40 minutes into the conversation they say aditi now you tell me something negative about me i said last 20 minutes i was speaking negative only <laughs> but negative is is looked at as this harsh feedback and because i'm not harsh and right. i'm not derogatory and i'm not judging you people don't even realize that you are saying something negative right. and that taught me a lot because when you say no when you one have a reason behind it or when you're really calm firm and polite about it people don't mind and my uh, again lesson that i learned was if you say no to someone you genuinely care for isn't it the kindest thing to do to them it is it is logically i think it's the kindest thing because you're telling them something which is in favor of both of you just that i don't know how to sugar coat that part no you don't have to see my point is the sugar coating yeah. and and trying to make it sound something like that is only takes away from the message so i right. would not sugar coat if you ask me a specific question like in your case you do have a stroke in the letter m again which is the second hump is slightly taller than the first one it talks about fear of being rejected anybody who fears being rejected cannot say no because they think that if i say no and that person feels rejected today tomorrow he'll come and reject me 
so it is that long term thinking that goes in and that's why you can't say no but if i look at other letter in your writing which is letter t which is you know like made like a cross not like a soft bottom it has like a very pointed which means you are very clear and you are very articulate about every objective idea that you present it's only your emotion of getting rejected in the future that is stopping you from saying no so you don't lack skill you just no. can you now do that for all the alphabets <laughs> <laughs> ask me more questions i will <laughs> so it's like a poetry you know it's like you take one ingredient other ingredient and then one behavior is built by multiple traits and handwriting also represents multiple traits so when you ask a question i then pick one behavior compare it with other and then then the whole poetry wow. builds the analysis i can't tell you how how beautiful it feels in my mind wow <laughs> oh. <laughs> Okay, and there's another question that I wanted to ask yes. you about. This has been a very personal observation, especially since last two years. I don't know if it is COVID post COVID, yeah, post COVID kind of thing. So there are some months when I feel like performing like crazy. I am at the top of my performance game. I, I, if I spend ten hours in my work, those ten hours are the productive, most productive hours of my probably every day. Like probably I might be working for twenty hours in those ten hours, and then there are some months where I feel very lazy, mm. which is my current month. For mm. example, since since Diwali, I've been like very lazy with my work. Mm. I'm like I can I know I can do a lot of things, but I don't want to do them. I just want to probably put my mind into a very resting space right now. Uh, I don't know if it's a normal behavior or abnormal behavior because I've been googling a lot about it, uh, uh, and I've got both kind of answers. There are people who've uh, who've positioned this as a Uh, as a technique to or uh, to hibernate you know, to and to hibernate uh, there are people who have positioned this as a technique to evolve very fast by you know just leveling up and then taking a break and there are people who have also positioned this as a plain bare laziness where you're just being lazy uh, you know that uh, but because you're lazy you don't want to accept that you are being lazy so you put it as something so so you go into guilt and so suddenly you start performing then you go into this entire confidence in that hey i'm performing so you go into laziness again you go into guilt so i don't know what kind of track that is uh, but uh, uh, i eventually i was reading about it on reddit and i saw a lot of people going through these things uh, in some phases of their life so uh, as someone who's always championing performance uh, does performance have to do with an exponential growth all the time or should it be a linear growth that we are looking for or should it be a step wise growth that we are looking for so it changes from person to person and we have to identify what is your most suitable way of choosing your growth path now i feel in your case the growth path uh, exponential or otherwise is based on the next learning curve and in the last few months you do not have that next learning curve very well defined so you are not inspired enough to do anything because you can't see the vision where is it taking you right so in your case if you don't know uh, the gps map where you're going then ev- just getting into your car and driving for the heck of driving does not excite you so that is happening and i also feel uh, on a personal ground i feel there are certain things that happened in the last 8 to 9 months that have caused you to emotionally feel disturbed and that emotion is unresolved so when you have unresolved emotions they also take away the fuel of your driving so they that like you really want to drive but you know it's between the inspiration and desire to reach there versus the fuel available so that has kind of compromised on the fuel and you haven't tuned into the vision much 
you haven't tuned into the next growth curve and you're only inspired by next growth curve so when you're talking about the city people will say why so much of obsession about the city because the growth that it provides the lego city the growth that it provides to you is in enormous and it's an ongoing process ifp or other projects used to do that but now it is not making you feel that you're growing at the pace that you want to so sit down and for next two three years or five years whatever works for you sit down not in terms of the organizational goal but your personal learning goals and that would keep you growing and you know figuring things out like two years back when we started the podcast i picked up the goal of being a podcaster and mastering the skill of it now the very moment you pick something which is not overnight growth but you have to experiment and you go to try so that led to a lot of learning and constantly observing how do i articulate and knowing that i need to read more and i uh, couldn't remember the quotes and the authors i wanted on my fingertips i'm like okay practicing that so i started building at least 15 different systems to be able to be wow. a better presenter now that is something which is an ongoing pursuit so then i don't lose interest in podcasting otherwise if i would have felt that oh i got it i know how to analyze i got no then it would have been boring but then how do you what do most performers to probably get a more clarity about their goals asking why does it matter so it ha- always has to boil down to your reason of why it matters and how would someone do that in the entire hush bush of their daily life so you do it once in a while like you don't do it every now and then like okay. i see that as a mistake people say oh, i want to find my why and they constantly do it every month it's not a monthly activity you set out for say one year three years and as you were saying whatever works that timeline but slightly long term and then once you commit to it then you go all out because as you know every growth curve requires so much of experimenting right. so if you pick a short term plan then you won't experiment enough to know whether you really like it or not right so then you got to give yourself that larger idea and with all honesty do you think you have something really exciting coming your way that makes you feel you would grow as a leader as a person professionally i think not yet hmm so that explains why you don't feel like getting up and doing things at the pace the very moment you would see that you would you know bring on the rhythm mode and you would just do whatever is needed but sit down and have that conversation with yourself and if we feel like i feel i don't like it's a weird analogy i use but i feel the session didn't taste the way it should have that's my analogy like you know right. sometimes when i'm talking to people right. i feel there is a lot of satisfaction and then when i feel that is switching off i know something is going wrong right right so that's my internal mechanism you go to find out before everything falls apart what is your internal mechanism where you know things are getting boring things are not i'm not learning so you go to find your ways of having those markers it really happens throughout your life right throughout your life and people wow. who are high performers exponentially growing they so this is a beautiful concept okay so your growth curves begins uh, initially growing then it matures and then it declines that's a bell curve for everybody's right. growth in any area right. so you start creating your next growth curve not at maturity but in the first growth curve right so when you are on incline and you're still learning one thing you already start looking forward to the next thing and the next thing that allows your mind to have a steep learning curve and not a flat one because then you are ready to take your next journey so oh. those people who are high performers do that proactively those who tend to be 
reactive they wait for the decline and when they hitting the so called guilt moment and then they say okay now i want to figure it out because i can't take it anymore both of them have talents it's just the approach with which you solve the problem wow that's a really i think that's going to take me a lot of in- introspection to uh, uh, to figure yeah. it out i don't know if it is about uh, lack of vision but uh, it is definitely about i think uh, lack of clarity so, so vision when we have a long term idea it also something that you have to feed into every now and then right like you can decide a vision for say 2 years 5 years a uh, personal professional whatever but if you don't feed into it going yeah. back to the flow concept mihai chiksen mihai says that you got to have direct constant feedback from the flow activity Right. So if you don't have direct feedback if you don't get you know like when a sports person is playing when he gets a direct feedback and understands that my my stroke wasn't correct he understand oh i need to change it alter it but if there is no feedback then you are like a oh, one day it would happen so you got to create mechanisms to get direct feedback right and that is something you got to pay attention oh, a lot of pondering to be done yeah i hope that this is just the beginning of the conversation yes. and and the new world that we are opening thank you so much for being part of this this Thank lovely you. journey that i almost saw so many aspects of your life and also being somebody who do not agree to the norms which are given to you i think that journey can be alone and that also brings in different kind of challenges yeah you thank you thank, thank you, you so, so much. much for your time thank you so much for listening to this episode you know ritam ne itni badi team banayi duniya bhar ke logo ko laya par as a leader unke challenges छोटे से है और ये छोटे से चैलेंजेस हमको भी रोकते हैं आप दुनिया से लड़ लो आप बहुत सारे प्रॉब्लम्स को, को अपने आप सॉल्व कर लो पर एक छोटी सी बात आपके दिल में घर करके रहती है है ना तो ये बात को ये जो ये जो प्रॉब्लम है वो सॉल्व करने के लिए आपको सही टूल्स की ज़रूरत है ईच एपिसोड ऑफ द अदिति सराना शो एक्सप्लोर्स टूल्स लाइक दीज एंड आई होप यू कंटिन्यू टू ग्रो विथ मी ऑन द अदिति सराना शो एंड लर्न दिस माइंड सेट इन ईच कॉन्वर्जेशन check out the previous conversations here and make sure that you like subscribe and share this conversation with a film buff or somebody who really needs to hear the specific aspect that i discussed ya fir apne aap ke liye kyunki kai baar hum apne aap se baatein dusron ke zariye karte hain so that's the attempt in this conversation i'll see you next week bye bye